1: new shows every day find us at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from Hello,
0: ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome Tales with Tierra, episode 167A. Featuring myself, nobody else, we'll have Jason Greger on, the great Edmonton sports mind in just a couple of days. Thanks to Terran Sandwith for joining me again last week. I think i can have sandman i think i've had sandman on a half dozen times probably by now if i'm wrong uh it was seven or eight but uh it was it was it was another unique conversation i can talk to sandman forever i do i mean he came and visited me last week we sit down and shoot the shit and uh you know new stuff often comes up and uh I like talking about it when we're live on air because he's a smart, articulate guy that's experienced a lot in life. And uh, not only is he educated with the book as an academic, but he's a very educated traveler and thinker. So thank you, man Sandman Sandwith. Uh, where else was I going to go? Oh, so. Alanis Morissette was in St. John's this weekend. That doesn't happen every day. I heard it was a good show. I wasn't here. I was uh, in Victoria, B.C. What were you doing there, Terry? And all kinds of people saw that I traveled out there on my Instagram stories. Mm. And a lot of people asked me why. I thought it was kind of self-explanatory. But see, I take these stories from these golf courses with some old friends, and I realize not everybody watches every single post or story. So I'll fill in the blanks. I was out there to play golf. I don't normally play golf. I'm not a good golfer. I enjoy getting out there with the boys when I can, but my summers are filled with ball hockey, soccer, and, uh, you know, traveling around and giving uh, whatever it might be, speeches or this kind of thing. I mean, I do go to these golf events, but this is purely it. I don't ever golf recreationally. Uh, You know, there's a lot going on in St. John's. I always got a lot of people visiting me, and with Penny Lane's mom out in Calgary, and uh, me here with her, I'm real busy. And Danielle usually comes over to visit, but we try to all hang out. So between all of those things, and you know, and I'm also I have I'm got a you know stunts and acting back here. Got a gig next week, playing a drunk guy on Son of a Critch. Looking forward to that. Mark Critch is one of the most talented uh, comedians, people, but uh, you know, one of the best comedians I've ever seen from this island or anywhere else. He's got a show on CBC Salt it's called Son of a Critch. Check it out. It, it really is funny. It's shot here, but it features Malcolm McDowell, who was in a Clockwork Orange. Uh, you know the main character. He's a very accomplished actor also also has some guest spots. Uh Jay Barishal, um, you know, the fairly famous actor. He he directs a bunch of episodes. I hope he's directing next week when I'm there. Alan Hawko, Alan Doyle. So it is a local show, but it's national and, and international, I guess, but it comes on God, I'd be right. I don't know if it's Tuesdays. I don't know anymore because I just watch these things on demand. But it's very accessible. Check it out. Son of a Critch. And it's done right here in St. John's, Newfoundland. Uh, we have a lot going on here now. Hudson and Rex, Peter Pan was just shot here. We have studios. We have workers. We are, we are very capable and we give a tax credit. And that's it's a lot usually more inexpensive to uh film here than a lot of places that uh, traditionally have shot movies, so that's why we're getting so much action, and I get to live here and work here, but through all those things, I don't get to golf, so that's why, now, it was a fundraiser for Sport Assist, Sport Assist is a great charity, uh, raises money for kids that, for one reason or, or another, need the help to play their sport uh you know it's i can identify because if i was born if i was coming through now in 2023 as a prospect i don't know that i mean a, my dad was a teacher my mom worked on and off when she did she the job she had the longest was in a you know factory packing lotto tickets very laborious any say labor, labor labor laborious very laborious and uh you know paid minimum wage so i wouldn't have been able to afford everything it takes now i mean those of you that just watch hockey that or you know there's people on here that listen that don't necessarily watch hockey but if you don't know i mean my equipment everything used to cost i don't know 500 bucks i know inflation and everything but it's still more even given inflation today it's 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 crazy. A stick was 10 to $30, right? And then the One Pieces came in and they went to $300 over. Now, even 20 years ago, they were 250 bucks, 300 right, when One Pieces first came. So that was a big jump. And then there's way more of these um, private AAA, quote-unquote AAA, whatever they, they all claim to be, but they're private schools, you know, and you travel with them. Right, That didn't exist. Every single prospect I know in St. John's plays in one of these. and They're all reputable. I'm not knocking these places that do it. I mean, you know, some people that run them around here are Jack Lee, who's run Hockey Newfoundland for many years. You got Andrew Mukim, who played in the NHL. Uh, Wally Bray. I work with Wally, who coached around here for years. Some of the best players around. Marcus Powers, Zach O'Brien. Wally's one of those that just spends every day at the rink, still runs St. John's minor hockey. You got Andy Sullivan. Oh, uh, God, there's a great, look that up, an unbelievable story. Came from senior hockey to play in the AHL and held his own. Um, you got Pat Yetman, junior and senior. Patty's senior coach around here for years. Patty Yetman, junior, was a pro for many years. Uh, Stephen Yetman, his brother. So, like, and, and I'm I'm really scratching the surface. I don't want to leave anybody out because, you know, I work with Wally, but... I support all these programs. It's it's great that kids get some extra hockey. But what I'm saying is that I didn't have it, and they're expensive. No matter what way you cut it, you know you're going to pay for the ice time all year, and you're going to go on at least one trip, and that's not even your minor hockey team, right? Now I didn't have that option. I'm lucky that my dad coached the junior team, and I was on the ice every single day, growing up. But I played for the Mount Pearl Blades. There was none of this AAA regional stuff. Right, And we raised money. We did playing in Mount Pearl. We did get to go on a trip. But again, it wasn't with any private program. There was hockey schools in the summer. My dad ran one. Randy Percy ran one. Um, There's another one. Randy has a program. Uh, And his son, Andrew. That's another good one. Um, But, you know, so it's just changed a lot. And I'll tell you this. In Mount Pearl, I don't know the way it is now. I live here. I should, but I'm not involved with minor hockey here. Um, I actually work with St. John's more, but I hey, I'm St. John's asks me, and I'm not Mount Pearl or set, they got a great system. I'm not saying you know, they they need to ask me up there to coach people. Hey, I barely have time, and my buddy Wally Bray runs St. John's, that's why I work with them. Well, I'll work with any kid around, it's a lot of private lessons I do in the summer, not a lot, but some. Um, but anyway, I'm getting away from what I'm talking about as I often do. But in Mount Pearl, yeah, I I don't know if it's still like this, but growing up, if, you know, if if you needed something, there was a minor hockey room, and they had all kinds of extra gear. Um, I even, you know, I remember going up and grabbing, and, and if you made the blades, you had blue, it was blue, red, and white, and the helmets and the gloves were red. Whereas, if you'll notice, most people use black because it's universal. But uh, we... Um, yeah sorry my cat my cat just scared me um in yeah so i remember uh going to a tournament and i lost my my red gloves and you know with black you know you have they're easy to find you can borrow some you can find but here go on go on go on sorry (laughs) um I remember, yeah, I lost my red gloves and there were none around uh, that fit. Back then, I remember only two sports stores, this, the sports shop and sports craft that you can even get anything from anyway. And uh, so I went up to the minor hockey room. Sure enough, that, that they had a pair of red gloves for me, Red Coopers, and I wore them for that, that weekend. So there was always that community feel in Mount Pearl that we all looked out for each other. And I really am fortunate that we had that, but not everybody does, especially not now. And I don't know if that exists now in Mount Pearl. Again, I probably should, and I should reconnect with my minor hockey really should not. But I know that a lot of people, and it's not just hockey, man. It's you know, a lot of people listen to this penny lane plays soccer. I got to say that of all the sports, I mean, you know, you're dealing with cleats, some accessories and a ball, but they still have to pay for the time to be out there on the field. Uh, And, you know, they go on a trip and everything. It's it's more manageable than hockey, but it costs her way more money to play soccer than it did me. I played in the same organization. She's playing under 13 now. I was playing under 14. It was a little different. Now it goes 13, 15, 17. Back then it was 12, 14, 16, 18. I was playing under 14, you know, given the same opportunities, playing for the same team, you know, Mount Pearl that she is, which it's 10 times as much, but it might've only cost me a hundred dollars. I remember it wasn't, I was talking with my mom about this. We were looking at all receipts and everything. I remember just buying a pair of cleats, buying a jock, always wore a jock, different one when you're running, I find. And, uh, and, uh, you know, just the, whatever the registration was. And then that was it. But even with her, you know, there's all kinds of side programs that are available. And, um, and, uh, you know, it just generally costs more to play. So this is, was a great cause, first of all. Now, my buddy, Jerry St. Cyr, okay, I met Jerry in 2004 playing for the national roller hockey team. I played one year on Team Canada in line. I got lucky. Uh, there was a league back here. All all the guys back here that played junior or pro, okay, we used to play roller hockey. So we did have a decent league here. We did. And, you know, in that league, we were very competitive And I remember a guy, Darren Colburn, I've had him on on this podcast. Darren was one of the best hockey players ever from Newfoundland. 70 goals twice in the coast. Well, 69 twice. A little bit of time in the A, but uh, just a legend and one of the best baseball players ever from Newfoundland as well. Well, he's from Cornerbrook and he came in and he saw me playing. And whatever happened, the national team, the, the Worlds were in London, Ontario that year and they needed a player. Someone got hurt last minute. And I know... Colburn was buddies with these guys. Being in two in particular on that team that were real close to me were Jerry Saint, Sarah and Mark Wolf. You've heard me talk about Mark Wolf. I ended up playing senior hockey in Bentley, Alberta, and Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, with Mark. And um, so Mark and I have stayed in touch and seen each other over the years. I hadn't seen Jerry since the odd time I might get a note, but I just hadn't seen him. And uh, like I said, these guys were on. These guys were born. You know, they they came uh, when I came into the Western League. They were all already done. But they were legends and I knew all about them. So to meet them in 2004 was an honor. Now I'll, I'll give you. So Jerry, th- this is this is his BCJHL numbers in 8990. 37 games, 21 goals, 32 assists with 53 points, 163 minutes. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I was looking 88, 89, 39 games played. BCJHL playing for Nanaimo. 31 goals, 39 assists, 70 points, 354 minutes. Okay? Now, so you'd say, well, why didn't he play in the Western League? But he did. That got him no – I mean, they knew who he was. He played a few games in New West before that. But now he comes in to the West and comes into his own. Bounces from Tri-City to Regina. But back in his close to near home in Victoria – he has two fantastic seasons, 65 games, 50, or 55 points, 289 minutes. And if you can believe it, in 91-92 in the Western Hockey League, he had 70 games, 93 points, 407 minutes. And I'd heard about those years, the last one in particular. And, uh, and you know, I ended up playing with guys in pro. He went from there. Jerry played in the Colonial League. That is, was such a... It was like another planet of the hockey world. But there were teams that were affiliated. I believe they were affiliated with Detroit. He played in Thunder Bay. And I mean, just a crazy, you know, all kinds of tough guys and bus stories. And, uh, you know, I don't think at that time most big prospects would want to have played in the Colonial League. But he goes from there to the A, right? Right from the Colonial to the AHL because, like I said, a few teams were, oh, Thunder Bay Senators. Yes, so they were affiliated with Ottawa. Right? And then he plays in Houston and uh, four, five great years in the coast. Um, Jerry was married to Beno Rayom for a while. I believe they have a son together. She was, uh, you know, very groundbreaking. I mean, uh, to say the least, the first female hockey player to play Uh professional hockey in a men's league. She played exhibition uh, for, in the IHL. And then let me see what Mano Reo did. Let me see. Let me see. know. I know she played. And I believe she played roller hockey too. I don't know if i ask him about that story. Okay, so she played a game in the queue in regular season. I didn't realize that. Oh, okay. She did play regular season for the Atlanta Knights. It wouldn't be on Hockey DB in the IHL. You know, one step away from the show. Uh, that that's pretty wild, yeah. And then you know, Meno played in the East Coast League, Knoxville, Nashville, Las Vegas, Tallahassee, Reno, and uh, finished off in Montreal with the uh, Women's League, professional league, when it was got going. But anyway, that's just a little history behind that. So, I, I've never asked Jerry, it's personal, and he's not married to her anymore, and why would I? But I believe they met when they played pro hockey. So anyway, I would heard of this Jerry St. Cyr and all those crazy numbers, and I really looked, like it was, when I came into the Western League, you know, there was guys with four and five hundred penalty minutes, I mentioned Kerry Toporowski before, which really would quickly become a thing of the past. So... Jerry was one of those guys that had those minutes, but he also scored. That's why I heard I mean, Tri-City had their legends, right? Stu Burns and, and Brian Sackick. Look up those numbers. Um, you know, they had great players. I mean, but you know, Damon Lankow, my line mate, ended up winning the scoring. Uh, but I, I think Kyle Reeves, I think he had like 83 goals, man. There was like legends in Tri-Cities before me and Lanks and, and Brian Boucher and Sheldon Surrey. And you know, we had an era of, of some great players as well. But Jerry was part of the era of, like, God, I'd look at my draft year, man, and go, like, I had, and they didn't allow 10-minute misconducts. So if I told the ref to go fuck himself in the West, it, it was a 10-minute, I got, you know, thrown in the penalty box for 10 minutes, but it didn't show up on my stats, right, to curb all the chaos, is the way we were told. But anyway... So I remember getting fifty goals, which was so it wasn't easy. I got it with twenty eight seconds left in the game, my fiftieth, and two hundred and seven minutes without tens. And I remember thinking, whoa, like that I had two fifty-six in the A. I mean, I I was cut from the same cloth as Jerry, but four hundred and seven is a little like that's a that's and I remember both those years going like, man, I couldn't possibly have thought anymore. I just felt like fuck, I did like I don't know. I don't get many tripping penalties or anything. So like I fill in the blanks with fights and, 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 you know, coincidentals and stuff. And, uh, I just remember going, fuck, I can't imagine anybody getting 300 minutes. I just, it seemed like I was in the penalty box all year. I took punches from, uh, I was, I was bloody battered, fucking swollen all year long. And I, you know, 256 was the highest I got to. So. Anyway, uh, let's see. Um, Where was I? Anyway, so Jerry had me. God, you you like how I make these stories so long? I'm going to send this to Jerry because I had to. Anyway, anyway, I'm getting getting ahead of myself. So I'll sum this up soon, I swear to God. I meet people and they go, like, I love your podcast. And it's times like this. I could have summed this story up in two minutes. I don't know how far we in here, 20 minutes into the podcast. And I'm not even close to ending the story. So I'm going to speed up and I will make it close, I promise. I can't believe people don't tune out at times like this. When I'm in my living room, it seems, feels to me like I'm boring the fucking shit out of people, but you know the numbers say otherwise and when i meet people like i did in victoria they listen to the pods. so thank you everybody maybe you like hearing about the legends like jerry saint sarah i'm talking about anyway um so i went out there on thursday and um hung out with the guys we had an awesome time and on friday was golf so uh we went down and I golfed with uh, Jerry and a couple of his roller hockey buddies, Chris Graves, uh, another good friend of mine I haven't mentioned here, Brendan Brooks. I've had Brooksy on the show before. I mean, I probably see him more than anything, because I see him when I go to do shoresy. Brooksy's in Sault Ste. Marie, great hockey player in his own right. Check, check these guys out on HockeyDB. Mark Wolfe, another legend like I, that I just mentioned. So me, Wolfie, Jerry, and Brooksy were, were golfing together, and that was awesome. And... uh we raised some money, and then we—you know—I sang a song. Surprise, surprise! Johnny, be good. I people ask me why I sing that so much. It's the songs I sing when I get up with bands that I don't know would be Johnny, be good or Bad Leroy Brown, Rock and Robin, um, the Apartment Song, Rocky Raccoon. Um, started to throw in the Joker here and there. Uh, the Grundy County auction. There's a few like I, I sing those because a lot of bands already know how to play them, and and like I spent Johnny B. Good would be the, I I think like I've never asked somebody and they don't know, so I don't play guitar much. I do have one there, and I practice here and there. Actually, note to self: that's what I'm going to do next. Let's make a goal. I'm going to bring my guitar to Shorzy if we ever do another season. And uh, yeah, I remember often just being in the hotel room, remembering lines and being bored in between. Maybe I can learn a few chords. Anyway, so I do that because most the apartment song in particular and Johnny B. Good. I've never really they they must be easy to play, easy to play. Fucking like Johnny B. Good's Chuck Berry, one of the best guitarists ever. But you know, just the the straight up chords of the song. I think. It, they must be, or they must be one of the first things you learn, because it seems that most people know how to play it. Uh, now there was a guy there that day. Ken. I can't remember his last name, but if you're listening, thanks. Said he listened to the podcast. Appreciate you for having me up. So that's it. So I sang the song. Then we went out on the on the course and proceeded to get bombed. Now when we and it's this is a tournament where like people really get into it. Most teams have uh, have a coordinated outfit. We had lots of. Uh, Shoresy representation there one way or the other. Um, just really cool. Uh, you know what? I'll post some pics, actually, from the tournament here pretty soon. It's Terry Ryan 2020 on Insta for those that want to watch and uh, pay attention or follow along. And uh, so, it was. you know, it was one of these, like there was a lot of team spirit involved, okay? But it was funny because when I sat down, by the time we sat down, when we got back after the golf, you know we were well lit it was a lot of fun we were well lit and i knew that i was going to get up jerry and say a few words but i was just kind of reading the room and everybody was pretty drunk so by the time jerry called me up i said we'll just do a q and a okay so just to make it easy rather than cuz they put a like a bio they had a bio video up so And which, Jerry, you could have summed that up, too, by the way. I know you're listening because I'm going to send this to you. You could have summed that up. That that went on a little long. It was like uh, there was a bio, but then it was me answering questions. And it, one, it was one of these atmospheres where, like, people were drinking and eating and ordering. And there was a bar. So it wasn't quiet. Like, I always find these things when you go, <laughs> like, if I do a banquet or something, And I speak like after the food or before the food, it's fine. Never I I hate when they're serving while I'm I'm talking. Or I did a couple of bars. I did one in Halifax one time, and some of the people were there to listen to me, and the other half of the restaurant it was like a Don Cherry's type place. They weren't. So it was just loud and and you can never read who's paying attention, you know? Like if it's silence, like I find it easier. I, I tell you how nervous I was when I opened for Jerry D but it's almost easier when there's four or 5,000 people there, which it was wild. It's not beforehand. It makes you want to fucking jump in a hole and beg for your life. (laughs) I I was completely nervous before all those. I mean, more so than any hockey game, Uh, just because I wasn't confident in myself as a stand-up comedian. I went right from zero to fucking a hundred, right? I didn't do it. And all of a sudden I'm opening up for Jerry. That's a story in itself. Get tales with TR fights, film and folklore, my second book, if you want it all plug, plug, um, But anyway, because laughter is almost contagious and people are going to shut up because they're not going to be, you know, ignorant. And generally, you know, they want to don't ruin the you're at a show. You're at a show. Even if it's yuck, yucks. It's it's you know, people are there to hear the punchline and stuff so you can follow along and really kind of read the room a lot easier. But at those things, I can't at all. So. A, during the bio, when it went on a little, you could hear people starting to get a little bit restless, right? Still, like, cool. And, I mean, that day, I must have honestly signed 30 autographs, I mean, or more, and and, and taken pictures. And I had micro conversations with each group. I mean, there was a lot, you know, there, there was a lot of great people there and telling me stories like a lot of communication a lot of feedback this went on for the whole day i'm not complaining about the crowd was fucking awesome it's just that once that environment happens and we were all boozed it was this was afterwards and it was dark and we did this outside right so you got the outside you, you see what i've eaten like it's a little bit um it's not ideal for public speaking but anyway so i got up and i was asked the first question this guy asked me was, what was it like to fight Cam Russell? Okay? And in my mind, that is one of my stand-up stories. One of my stand-up, you know, I only did four or five, not even, really, really, three stories that I told 80 to 90% of the time that I got up on stage you know, the Mike Milbury story, I guess the tooth story, I suppose. But more, the, the one that I told more than anything is my last shift in the NHL. And that's when I fought Cam Russell. And the reason is because, say the Milbury story, a lot of you know the Milbury story. If you don't, just go on, type in Terry Ryan, uh, Mike Milbury, type, uh, when you're in Google or YouTube, Terry Ryan, tooth story. Terry Ryan, spitting chiclets. I've told these on spitting chiclets. While they might entertain a hockey fan, to tell them in a room full of people that some, you know, not everybody's a rabid hockey fan. Um, You know, the Milbury say there's a punchline at the end. It's interesting leading up to it, but there's not laughs every 20 seconds, right? There's not constant laughter. If you're a hockey fan, it's interesting when I'm talking about the interviews and stuff. So I'm with a hot, when I'm at a hockey banquet or a hockey audience, people definitely can follow along. But I, when it's comedy, I try to go with the Cam Russell story because, you know, along the way, there's chirps on the bench. I mean, I was eating a hot dog on the bench and my, my, my skates were untied. Um, I had hot sauce in my eyes at one point. There's some good chirps. So you don't really have to be a hockey fan. So when he asked me that question, I just said, I'll launch right into my act. Now, my act, as you fucking might expect, even though I get nervous to go up on stage, it usually goes way longer because... I digress as I'm doing right now. I over-explain things. I ramble. I want you to get the whole story, which you'll get, but you could cut 80% of the fat off of one of my stories and still get the point and still be entertained. I realize that. I know it's a flaw. I try to use it to my advantage on a podcast like this, right? If talking is a flaw, and it is too much, um... I guess that's why this is almost like therapy for many, for many reasons. But anyway, um, so I'm up there. It's dark. Everybody at this point that's drinking at least is bombed. We've been like we're like eight hours into it at this point. Uh, I can't really read the room at all. I I, I think I can't be like I said. It's outdoors. So you can. There's people serving. There's people having conversations that really aren't into it, which is fine when you're at these things. I'm not. It's just if you're indoors and there's not like glasses clanging, and it's it's easier to hear and read it. Now I should have known anyway, because Jerry told me to answer some questions. I only have five or ten minutes. So when he said, "What was it like to fight Cam Russell?" I should have said, oh, "It was unbelievable." Bob Probert was on the ice, so and Mark Jansen. So it was actually the lesser of three evils. And, you know, it came out all right. It was TSN Holly of the night. Next question. It ended up being my last shift, by the way. If you want to know more about it, read my book, Hardy Fucking Her. Next question. That's what I should have done, right? That's what I should have done. Instead, I launched into like a 35-minute story that, as I said, when you do that outdoors, I should have known the difference. It's hard to really understand who's listening and who's not. And it's hard to get a vibe. So I'm halfway through the story, and Jerry—I I don't even know if I'm halfway through. I'm like twenty minutes in though, over my time. People are like restless, and Jerry comes, and has the cut me off mid-story. So now I do. We had a little bit of a back and forth, and I think we made some comedy of it. Uh, and after that, I really felt bad, so I try to go around and, you know, get. In other words, I only half answered one question. So I didn't cater to the whole audience. I I, I, know, I hope people didn't see it as ignorant. I know there was a lot of people there that said they listened to the pod and that they uh, were going to listen today. So for you all, I had an unbelievable time. Afterwards, what happened? Yeah, when Jerry got up and did his thing and everything was said and done. I went to each table and, and, and you know, the, especially the people I hadn't talked to yet. And I got, you know, I told them some stories, maybe more. Ta- and there was like three or four tables there that, weren't into hockey at all and didn't want anything to do with that story but they wanted to hear about what it was like to meet Jared Kiso because uh, they like Letterkenny. So I'm glad that I went back and did that because uh, I feel, you know, when you're brought out to those things, you want everybody to have fun and you you, you want it to be worthwhile for the people that brought you there, right? And I, I, I'm, I'm certain that we all had a good time i just kind of felt bad about going a little bit off a little bit haywire in the speech well, haywire is not the right word but um i i suppose monotonous and uh out of touch i i certainly during that time and i guess i i could have not had 500 beers when i was when i was golfing <laughs> Jerry was with me for fuck's sakes. But anyway, I, I mean, I say that with a joke. I mean, I was, I could speak, but we were, yeah, I don't know. We, we were drinking like you do at, at one of those events. Um, it was a lot of fun.
1: New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call eight seven seven eight hope ny or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game, opt-in required. Max bet $50, 10-plus required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Even if you're not going on vacation, summer's all about a vacation state of mind. Whether I'm checking out some of TR's music recommendations, throwing on my own summer playlist, or listening to other shows on my favorite hockey podcast network, I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer, sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. I recently got to see Blink-182 in concert, and since then they've been my go-to summer listening. And let me tell you, Raycons are the best way to listen to some Blink-182, and here's why. You can use the earbud tap functions to toggle between three customizable sound profiles, including noise isolation and awareness mode. Better yet, Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including 8 hours of playtime, so that you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit, and they start at half the price of other premium audio brands, and they sound just as good. And if that's still not enough for you, Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, Tales with TR listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash thpn. That's buyraycon.com slash thpn to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash thpn.
0: And um, Jerry runs a complex downtown and has a patio. I forget the name of the complex there, but it's where the Rugby Canada event was happening. This weekend, and uh, he's attached to it is his place, um, Patio 37. And that's a real cool outdoorsy, well, outdoors patio bar. And it's, uh, but it's large, real big. And uh, we played cornhole. I'd never heard of the game. In fact, when they, yeah, it sounds like it's going to go in a different direction. Like the cornhole, I'm like, cornhole. You want some cornhole? What are you talking about? I had no fucking idea. Now, it's a lot like horseshoes. I'm sure everybody I'm talking to, I'm the last person on the planet that didn't know what it was because everybody out there, I mean, the people we played with playing a league of like a fucking league for a beanbag toss. I had no idea. Like, how good can you possibly be at this? Then it started and I realized there's a huge, huge... Uh, God, what's the word? Like, there's there's a knack to it for sure. I just thought, okay, i had to throw this in that hole. But, you know, from, from the way you spin the bag to the arc, I mean, I was blown away at the difference in skill levels. I just thought everybody's going to be on the same playing field. Anyway, we did that the next day being uh, Saturday. And uh, we played all day. I played with a lady. Oh, God what was her name I apologize. I thought they I thought it was Ch- Charlie but it could yeah anyway it was a great time we uh, we did okay we I mean there's a lot of teams and she carried it we won 21 to three the first game and she had I, I had zero points she had all of them and she showed me a few tricks of the trade. I, uh, you know what? I feel bad. I'm going to look back at my phone and see what her name was. Kathy. And, uh, Kathy, I'm looking at my Instagram stories. Okay. So, Kathy's played for a long time. Uh, her and her husband were there that day, and they play in a league. And I believe, I think she said she, either lost or won the provincial final which blows me away Uh, but anyway I'd say probably half of us playing were were in a league, they were out there and and most of them were from Victoria or the area some weren't, but they played in a league a lot of people might have had cottages or cabins and played, now around here I had a cabin for years, I just didn't get there enough I sold it, well, and I got divorced and I had to but that was way back in the 2000s but uh, you know my experience. I do once in a while go to a place around here, go camping, go to a cabin, and it's horseshoes, right? I just play a lot of horseshoes now. Again, I I, I mentioned out there. I said, "Fuck it, Newfoundlanders don't play cornhole." And then, <coughs> and then uh, my buddy Jordan Patterson, who lives out there, he said he plays all the time. So, and he's seen it. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe I just live under a rock. Well, I live on a rock, don't I? But the part of the rock that I live on isn't associated with cornhole. It's more horseshoes when it comes to those kind of games. So, but anyway, it was fucking awesome. We stayed in Bear Mountain. The room they got me was, I mean, it was unfucking believable. It w- it really was. A couple of stories. the the uh, The patio just looked right out over the valley from the top of a mountain. I was blown away. Um, It was, you know, we'd had a few beers, but I got up every morning. I mean, Victoria also, or BC, is four and a half hours behind us um, with time zones. So I was up five or six every morning. And uh, rather than, Try to shake the hangover by resting. I just got a shower, guzzled a couple of waters, and went down and really enjoyed breakfast. You know, it's one of those places that uh, you really, really enjoy having a coffee and breakfast, and, and and looking at it as the sun rises over the valley over the course. So, to say that it was fun to see my friends again and spend some time out there would be the biggest understatement of the year. Thanks to Jerry and his beautiful wife, Kristen, for having me. Uh, I hadn't seen Jerry, like I said, in since 2004. And I was glad to see that he's done well for himself, given that his house is so nice and it's up near the top of Bear Mountain, looks out over the over Victoria and Langford. And, uh, everybody I spoke to in Langford knew that. I mean, the guy kind of he's almost like the unofficial mayor um so it was just nice to see i, I always thought you know and wolfie's successful i know Bro- i talk to brooksy all the time but i i didn't talk to wolfie in a while either like you know i did play hockey with him but you know 10 years really since we had a meaningful conversation or close to and you know those guys are great people and they're great leaders and i often say to kids that you know even to parents that you know that, you're at a hockey school and they ask, you know, what, what's it take for this kid? You know, is Joey going to make the NHL? I'll be like, well, fuck Joey's first of all is 10. Okay. There's lots of time for that. And and it's a silly question to ask when you're 10 years old. Second of all, NHL is not the be all and end all. I'm really glad I got there and I was fortunate enough to go in the first round and put on the fucking Habs jersey. Are you kidding me? It's what, you know, looking back and I know it didn't work out like, a lot of people expected, including myself, but I got there and I played there and no one can take that away. I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud of it. But, but look at all the other good things that happened to me in my life because of that. And I think I learned how to be, if nothing else, a teammate. I'm still a bit of a fuck up. I'm irresponsible at times, but I know that hockey helped me when it comes to relating to people and communicating and just trying to be a good person. And, um, You know, I ended up wearing a Team Canada jersey. Mind you, it was ball hockey. But if I didn't pursue that, actually, I did wear one at under 18. But I'm saying, you know, things I'm doing now, I'm going to the Masters World Ball Hockey Championships next week. I get to throw on the jersey. Team Canada, Ryan, number 14. Are you fucking kidding me? But that's hockey. No one ever talks about that when they say, "Will Joey, do that. Not that Joey has to do what I do or, you know, ball hockey. You might say, fuck, it's only ball hockey. Yeah, I guess, but I'm putting on a national jersey and I'm traveling all over the world and I've been doing it for 20 years. And that's something. And little Joey can get a scholarship. And little Joey can travel. When I named you all those teams that Jerry St. Sarah and Mark Wolf played on, Wolfie he played all over North America as well, by the way. I, I met him on the ice when he played for San Diego and he was lighting it up, getting paid great money. It's another thing. These guys at the time, I could go into a whole story, but to play in like double A at the time, people were making crazy money. And I know that me and Mark Wolf, I can't speak for everybody. I think Jerry. But me and Wolf used to talk about it. We made more money down there than we did up in the A. So anyway, I won't get into that now. But there's all kinds of, of, of other things and opportunities. Now, Jerry, I'm guessing, because he was a great leader. And by the way, those penalty minutes... That means a lot when you're getting over a point a game. And that's leadership. Jerry, I'm sure. I mean, he's not the biggest guy either. Right? And and he's not he's not small. But uh, I don't know, Jerry's six foot. I don't know, when he played, probably uh I'm guessing like one ninety. Here, let's look it up. Jerry St. here. Just one sec. And what I'm saying is that these these penalty minutes. I, I'm not saying that uh, Jerry five eleven one ninety five. So, you know, when, when you when you score those goals and you get those penalty minutes, I don't even need to look. Guys on your team respect you. It's a form of leadership. You don't even have to open your mouth. Now I know that he's also vocal. I played with him on Team Canada Roller. We in line. We lost in the final. Man, three to two. I know it was only one tournament, but when you play eight or nine games with these legends, you get, to, you get to see what guys made of, right? Could be fucking inline hockey. Could be ball hockey. Could be ice hockey. Doesn't even have to be hockey. Could be fucking rugby, tennis, whatever. Well, I don't know about tennis. Soccer. <laughs> you know, but it really could be. And when I see these guys after so long, I'm reminded that they're successful largely because of the hockey. I mean, it's no fluke. What, what, How were Jerry and I reunited through raising money for Sport Assist? Why does he do that? Because he's a leader. There's no reason. He's not making any money from this. He uses his platform as a, a very respected ex-hockey player, uh, athlete, businessman, citizen in his community. And puts it towards helping other people. There's a lot of hockey players that do that, do that and you guys might think sometimes, oh, well, you know, it's they want to see their buddies, and it's just lip service when they say, you know, the kids. It's not, man. It's very, very, very stressful to put all that together, to organize all that. All these people, all I got to do is go in and show up. I have to show up, drink, tell some stories I guess I don't have to drink, but you know what I'm saying. I I like to have a beer with the people. I have to socialize, okay? It could be coffee and a fucking muffin, but um, I just feel I got to say that because I respect it. a lot of people at these things don't actually drink. Some are sober for one reason or the other. Some are fucking aren't sober per se, but they just don't want to drink. I mean, I'm not saying it's that the whole thing is about getting shit faced, but often at golf events in the summer, charity, you know, that's part of it. Let's have a few drinks, have some fun, get into the spirit right? Everybody wear a uniform, whatever we're going to do. But I'm just saying, I'm all I'm expected to do is go in and socialize, have some fun, tell some stories. If you're organizing the whole thing, well, here, I don't do it. I consider myself a good person. I don't do it. I, I, I show up to a lot of them because I appreciate. And when I, I, I sit here, guys, I have to pick events, right? I don't want to be fucking pompous when I say that, but there's... <clears throat> I'm offered to do a lot of things. I have a daughter here. So I can't leave every weekend. But I have to do something to make money in between you know, seasons of Z, acting gigs, whatever it is. So the other thing, I go to these things and I might bring a few books. I meet some people. Right? I sell some books. Um, I'm given some other opportunities. It's a long story. I might have an announcement soon about a new radio show I'm going to do. About people that I met out there. So like it's I have to network. I have to pick my spots to 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 do these gigs to to sell some books, and I'd rather do the ones. It's it's one thing to see Jerry, but Sport Assist was a big reason. You might think, you might think that's a load of bullshit, but I'm telling you the truth. Why do you think I did the Kevin Lowe one? I mean, it's good to go out there and and especially get some experience public speaking in the form of like roasting somebody because I I love that. It was an honor, and I, that's my favorite public speaking my favorite anyway the, the, as far as the comedy goes is the roasts right sure. uh, largely because it's a lot of fun to write and you can bring the paper up on stage and people are expecting it you know rather than like what's the deal with airline peanuts I just find it easier and um but anyway to uh yeah the one I did in Moncton you guys remember that was at the beginning of June um that was for the Heart and Stroke Foundation, right? Well, of which I think we're all close to in one way or the other. You're never too far from having some personal experience with tragedy or near tragedy when it comes to the heart and stroke, right? I think we all know someone who's had a heart attack or a stroke a little bit too early. I'm sitting in a guy's house right now, Tony Fowler, a good friend of mine that's in a home now, he had a stroke. So, you know, if I'm going to do these events it makes me feel better to do the ones that really I think that I'm, I, I, I'm having a close hand in, in helping someone for real, right? I'm not saying I'm not if you do a benefit for cancer or you do a, you know, I did one for research for MLS or MLS, what's it called? I hate to laugh. Lou Gehrig's, whatever that is. But... um You know, so I mean, I know they're all worthwhile. I just, I feel like you can only do so much. And for me, I can only pick one weekend a month, really, maybe two, to to do these sorts of things. And I don't always fly as far as I possibly could fly in North America. And that's what you like. Victoria, BC, look at a goddamn map. Unless I go to the western part of Alaska. I'm not going any further. Put it this way, in the continental United States, North America, I couldn't be any further from home. I live five minutes from the, well, 15 minutes from the most easterly point in North America, Cape Spear. And when you go to B.C., and you go off to Vancouver Island is as is pretty much west as you can go. And I did that, uh, not only for to see my good buddies, but because I mean, it's a great charity. And I feel a connection to BC, having played junior out there. And uh, so for all those reasons, that's why I went to Victoria. I absolutely loved it. It was an awesome time and seeing my buddies was uh, honestly, after all this time, and they're successful, and they're smiling, and they're happy, and we all know people that, you know, probably have had a little bit of adversity that, you know, they could be six feet under. They they might not be well, you might want to help, but they might have substance abuse problems, they might have mental health issues, they might have tragedy around them, they might have had some bad luck. But, so you don't know where your friends are going to end up. And as you get older, you kind of get nervous about sometimes running into them or seeing them or looking looking them up because you don't want to be hit with any more bad news. Well, I was pumped to see some of my real, real good friends that I looked up to almost like, I wouldn't say father figure, but in Im- they they felt like brothers when we played together and if it was only the 2004 tournament it was one of the honestly it was some of the most fun I've ever had and when you, when you play with guys for you know less than 10 games and it leaves a lasting impression then you know that you're cut from the same cloth and uh, that couldn't have been more magnified this weekend uh, because I just hadn't seen them in so long. So it almost brought a tear to my eye. You know, there was times there I was sitting down, having a beer, and I had some some goosebumps as I looked at uh, what was going on around me in such a beautiful place. Um, Such a beautiful place with such awesome people that uh, not only are friends, but teammates for life. And uh, it was a positive vibe. <clears throat> it was a positive vibe that w- was a pretty unique vibe. Doesn't happen every day. And just, there was something, what's the word? Bittersweet about it. Cause as I sit in Victoria, as I sat in Victoria, I realized that just to the Northeast of me, in Kelowna and in, in the Okanagan were major wildfires. And just to the South in Washington were major, major wildfires but where we happen to be not that I, it's just, you know, there is a, there is a dichotomy of the mind when it, when it comes to, or, or, you know, a bit of a, 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 a contradiction when it comes to, you know, I guess, um, what's happening in North America right now. Uh, I'm talking just with some of the weather. I think there was a, Tropical storm in California yesterday or the day before, and they had an earthquake. And you're reminded of how lucky you are when you're sitting in Victoria with your buddies or anywhere. But for me, when I was sitting there in Victoria, with my buddies that I hadn't seen in so long, and it was as if we were gone for five minutes, right? Um, It was a decade with Wolfie, almost 20 years with Jerry. And even Brooksy, I mean, I see him here and there, but not a lot. And uh, you know, and their friends. It was um, it was a nice feeling of positive vibes, uh, humanity, and fortune to be alive at such a unique time that we can do all that. That I can be eight hours the next day, and I'm home in Saint John's, Newfoundland. And uh, now I'm here talking to you guys about it. Anyway. Things like that often make me really, they reiterate to me how lucky we all are to, I shouldn't say we all are, but a lot of us are. And, uh, you know, at at this, just to be able to do this, I find myself uniquely opportunistic. But if you can take advantage of the time that we live, because I know there's a lot of, negative things out there in the news and and, and if you really want to pay attention, you can be depressed every day. But there's also a lot of fucking good too. There really is. What I saw on that mountain this weekend was an absolute, it was a carnival of positive vibes with people that just wanted to hang out, share some stories, and raise some money for a, a cause they all believed in. So on that note, thank you to Jerry St. Cyr and his wife, Kristen, and everybody else. Um, it was great to see Jordan Patterson, Pedro, Pete Cabral, and his wife, Jill. Uh, Gravesy and company, nice to meet you guys. To Jillian at the front desk, sorry for all the aggravation. And to whoever found, I mean, with I lost my room key like a thousand times. Uh, for anybody... Yeah, for whoever found my wallet, (laughs) I lost that. Uh, Golfing, thank you very much. To whoever found my glasses, you can keep them. And uh, for everybody else, I hope to see you again sometime in the future. Uh, And to everybody listening to my podcast, thanks for listening. And tune in again in just a couple days. We'll have Jason Greger. This is going to be a good one. Real interesting guy with a uh, hit radio show of his own and podcast of his own. And uh, has some unique takes on his own life, but uh, not only hockey, but sports in general. So looking forward to that. Thanks for listening. If you're in downtown St. John's and you want to buy a 10-speed bicycle, I don't know where to send you, but if you want... To hang out, have a drink, enjoy George Street, I'd tell you, go to the Bull and Barrel, go to Trinity Pub, go to TJ's Pub, Rob Roy Confusion, the Martini Bar, or my stomping grounds that I go to first every time I go down. Green Sleeves Pub, live music, great food, Stefan Hancock, Jody Temple, two of my good friends. Those are the places I like to go, folks, but of course... I end up bopping around, and I usually end up at a lot more places as well. I love bar hopping on George Street on Fridays or Saturdays, sometimes in the summers, both. If I'm going to go for a bite to eat, and I'm in around that area, I go to Blue on Water or Merchant Tavern, and of course, I'm in the East End, if I'm anywhere around Elizabeth Avenue, I always stopped into Peter Wedgwood's place, Wedgwood Cafe. It's great food at a great price by a great person. If you're in St. John's, Clarenville, or area, and you want to change your life, and you want strength and balance for the body and mind, look no further than power conditioning on Ropewalk Lane. Ryan Power, power conditioning, strength and balance for the body and mind. If you want to go to Mr. Lube, there's two locations. In St. John's, one's on Torbay Road, one's on Mount Road. Live, laugh, lube. Pitbull pain relief. The pain sticks that just don't quit. Pitbullpainrelief.com. Check it out. See what all the fuss is about. True hockey. Take what's yours. Thanks to true hockey. And uh, boys, I'll need some twigs for next week's world ball hockey Masters Championships in Buffalo, New York. If you're in the area, come on by. Check it out. And uh, if you want a book or you want a signature or you want a picture or whatever, you want to shoot the shit about Shorzy, I like to go to the rink early, so I'll be at games three and four hours early. Just come say hi. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been 167A. Back in just a couple of days with more Tales with TR. Catch you guys on The Rebound.